0: Welcome to the podcast of Inspiring Women in Hospitality. I'm Noreen Ahmed, your host. Each episode, I invite a woman from the hospitality industry to share her story with us why she got into hospitality, her journey so far, her learnings, and who inspires her. On this episode, we hear from Jane, recorded in November 2022. She shares how the work environment has changed in real estate since she started. Whilst there has been progress, she often finds herself being the only senior female leader in the room. All right, we're now recording. Mm -hmm. Hello, everyone. Noreen here. Today I have with me Jane. Jane, thank you so much for joining me. Great to be here. Thank you, Noreen. So tell us a little bit more about yourself.
1: Uh, yes, well, um, my current role is head of uh, EMEA Hotel Valuations for CBRE, uh, based in London, but uh, nature of my role, uh, fortunately, post-COVID, does mean a bit more travelling these days. Uh, so, as I say, base, based in London, but uh, been doing a lot of travelling recently um, and doing a lot of work in um, some nice parts of Europe, so places like Spain, Greece, Italy, France, um, and I have some great colleagues in all of those locations, so catching up with them, which has been great, you know, because we haven't had that much contact time, um, obviously over the last few years. So uh, there's about 40 uh, odd people in the team, um, mainly based in London. But as I say, you know, we've got good representation across the key markets and a number of those colleagues I've been working with for uh, quite a number of years. So. Um, as I say, great to see
0: a lot of them face to face now. Uh, no, that's definitely great. I mean, I'm doing this recording from Bangladesh, so that definitely means I've been able to get out and travel a little <laughs> bit more. But it's great to hear that you're doing the same. I mean, yes, I'm very <laughs> grateful for a technology that allowed us to keep working, you know, during COVID and stay connected in in a way that would have been very difficult even maybe 10 years ago. Um, Mm. but it's great that you're now getting out and yeah that face-to-face contact is definitely irreplaceable. It is. Mm -hmm. Um, So tell me how did you get started in hospitality in the first place?
1: Uh, So my route is real estate. Um, I, um, because I'm very old, (laughs) I did an estate management degree um, many years ago and uh, graduated and then qualified uh, as a child surveyor. Um, I went into valuations um, fairly early on in my career. I tried a couple of different roles um, whilst I was training, um, but I liked valuations. I like numbers. Um, I ended up in Hong Kong. I actually grew up in Hong Kong. So went back there, I suppose, um, fairly early in my career and stayed there for five and a half years and had some really great experience working in a valuation team there, covering all manner of things, um, mainly, say, Hong Kong focused, but a bit of work in China and the Philippines. Um, I eventually came back to the UK with my family, um, which I had by then, and um, started back with the sort of commercial valuation roles. And I just thought, this just is not interesting enough for me. Um, I ended up working with somebody um, who I think is probably the best value I've ever met. Um, a, a chap that I um, worked with for a number of years, and one day he said, "Oh, um, we, we've got to value Camden Lock Market." And I thought, "Oh, that's interesting," um, and that was all around, you know, trading businesses, stalls, shops, restaurants. So I thought, yeah, this is, this is the sort of way I want to go. So then um, through a merger, I took the opportunity to ask um, what was a healthcare valuation team, um, if I could join them. And they said, yeah, love to have you. So I joined and I eventually became head of the healthcare valuation team at Collier's, uh, which I enjoyed for a number of years. I really enjoyed the sector. Um, and it's actually quite interesting. There are a lot of clients who have healthcare and hospitality in common, Um, you know, they invest in both. Um, I was then approached uh, by CBRE um, initially for a healthcare role, um, but they said, oh, actually, we think you could probably do a bit more in hotels. So I joined the hotels valuation team um, to head it up in the UK, um, which was my role for a number of years, um, which was was good. It was challenging. Um, A number of changes were made along the way. Um, I then assumed the role of head of EMEA Hotel Valuations, which I've been doing for a number of years now. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we have a great team of people based around Europe. Um, I think also the connectivity we've we've got. Um, and I'd have to say it's one of, I hate to use the word benefits, but it was of COVID. Uh, we're a lot more joined up, you know, with our colleagues in the States and Asia Pack. Um, and yes, there's really good synergies um, between, between the teams now. Um, you know we've got some really good people uh great clients um so yes it's been um sometimes ups and downs in the last few years but so uh, and challenges but generally i think overall enjoyable and uh yeah good to have the colleagues that we you know that i do have
0: yeah now it's interesting you say that i remember at the earlier part of COVID whilst yes it was chaotic but I think it also definitely brought a lot more like you said synergies and connectivity because you know for the first time no matter which industry you're working or which part of the world you were working in everyone was battling the same thing everyone was exactly in the same boat so everyone had the same goal that they were focusing on and it's great to hear that you know that's definitely helped you and hopefully that continues on um, for more years to come.
1: Yes Uh, yes I mean you know uh, you never know the twists and turns of life but um, but yes I've I've been here since uh, early 09 it's the longest I've worked uh, for a particular organization Um, but there have been changes as I've mentioned so that's really kept my interest going and uh, you know there's been challenges along the way but to be honest um, I've always loved to challenge so yeah it's been good
0: and we've had a few, I mean, in economy and, and industry, a few ups and downs since then as well. I kind of came into the industry about 2007. So not at the start of the recession of 08, 09, but definitely sort of at the beginning mm-hmm. and then kind of seeing those ups and downs and seeing, yeah, a few more <laughs> ups and downs as we've gone through now. Um, so, you know, you've, you've looked at various parts of the real estate. So when it comes to valuation, looking at different types of real estate that you've looked at what were what were perhaps some of the similarities but also the differences like did you have to learn different things to be able to do what you were doing
1: mm, oh yes no certainly and i think that's as i say I, I like a challenge so when i went to hong kong it was understanding that real estate market which is completely different to the uk um and I think culturally as well. Um, having sort of been born and brought up there, hopefully I was, you know, uh, maybe a bit more, you know, aware of uh, of how things worked. But obviously I'd never worked there as an employee, so um, yes, it was getting to understand cultural differences, um, communication. Um, you know, people communicate different ways. Um, I think from the the real estate side. It was really exciting because they were building the new airport in Hong Kong at that point. A lot of construction going on, so a lot of projects around that. And some of them, they're very keen in um, Asia on mixed use schemes, so podiums with retail and maybe a hotel or maybe apartments or offices above. Um, And I worked for JLL, so we had some really good clients. and so it got me out of Hong Kong to you know, work in places like China, which was at that point really interesting because it's completely different now. I think a much more closed uh, environment in those days, um, but not so closed. I mean, I was a bit unusual, you know, being a Westerner there. Um, and I remember when I left Hong Kong, they very kindly gave me a, a leaving dinner. And the guy that I'd gone to China with, he said, you know, I have to say this to you before you leave. I was absolutely amazed that you walked on your own through Shanghai, back to the hotel. I said, well, who's going to approach me? Nobody, I'm fine, I'm absolutely safe. He said, I was just really surprised. (laughs) I thought, that is the way you get to know places by walking. Um, and that's what I've always done, you know. Um, really, in, I've, yeah, I enjoy walking socially, I enjoy walking for my job. Um, I've always been active, so that's great to have a job that gets you out and about. Um, but yes, the other roles I've had, uh, some roles I've had for shorter periods in firms, but I've always learned something. Um, even if it's not been the role I thought it's for me for life, um, I thought, actually, I've learned that bit, you know, it's time maybe to move on. Um, as I say, when I got into sort of valuing operating real estate, um, you know, starting with with the healthcare. Um, yes, the similarities because, you know, beds are beds, healthcare, maybe they're, they're in there a bit longer. Um, but I, found, I met some amazing people because again, I think what I like about uh, the operating sectors, you know, particularly both the sectors I've worked in, is you meet people, they're not in real estate, they're providing a service. Um, so they have very different skills, very different background. And just, again, the communication, talking to them and understanding what they do, how they do it, um, I think is really interesting. What got them into it, you know? Um, so I think that's always been my motivation, is is understanding the background to the business. Um, and that makes operating real estate interesting to value, because it's not just, you know, uh, criticizing people that value retail, but there's a bit more that I suppose that goes into it. A bit more of a journey. Um, you know, they've obviously been through difficult times, particularly hospitality. But um, you know, understanding how maybe operators have reacted to that. You know, what they put in place. Um, you know, certainly during COVID, post COVID. Um, yeah, you know, same with healthcare. You know, it's, it's getting uh, staff. Um, the pressures on um, the operators. With healthcare is very much, you know, you have to comply with certain regulations and requirements. So, yeah, it's. Um, I think um, just just generally, uh, I've learned a lot by you know working through those sectors and bringing in the real estate understanding. Yes, that's important, but understanding their business, how it operates. Um, you know, I'm I've been lucky. We employ uh, you know people like yourselves that have gone through a hospitality training. So hopefully we're sort of blending the skills and bringing the best out for the client. Um, in that you know you've got people that understand the business, and somebody understands the sort of impact of real estate, impact of what you know, um, so could impact the valuation um, because it's not just the cap rates. You've got to think about your projections, and you've you've got to support them. Um, so yes, it's it's just uh, yeah, head scratching, but but interesting and fun and challenging, which is great.
0: And did you how do I say this? You said you loved a challenge, but were you ever scared of a challenge? Or like did it obviously never deterred you like going after a challenge? Or did you have any barriers that you faced along the way? <laughs> um I yeah, I suppose
1: there maybe have been barriers or times where I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> women doubt themselves which is not great um so I sometimes thought you know can I do that you know or, or could I go for that role or could I go for that promotion and to be honest I think the first time I was promoted in Hong Kong I asked for it which I was a bit surprised I thought because I saw people being promoted and they were the same as me and I thought oh, okay I'm going to ask in actual fact the, the chap who was my um uh, line manager at the time said Okay, I'll think about it. And he came back to me, yeah, okay, fine. It will put you forward. And I was like, okay. And I think that's something I've learned. Don't be afraid to ask. Um, (laughs) You might get no, (laughs) um, but actually if somebody says no, then okay, what do I need to do to get a yes? Um, So yeah, I I think there have been challenges along the way. There have been times where I've thought, um, you know, maybe I'm not being acknowledged for my input, my contribution. Um, And you do see a lot of men who are very vocal at (laughs) putting forward how much they've contributed, et cetera. And I think this is something I've learned, but learned to do it in the way that I feel comfortable doing it. Um, I'm not a shouty person. So I think it's more, I'd rather sort of go away, think about the argument and then go back. Uh, And it might be a more one-on-one conversation. but I do think that, yes. Uh, and one of my friends said this as well. Um, she, she's a social worker and you probably expect more f- females in, in the social work world. And she said, but it's always the men that speak at the meetings. And I thought, yeah, this is it. This is where, where I get it wrong as well still. Because you sit there thinking, I need to make a relevant point and I need to say it well. Because then you get some man who just opens his mouth and blasts off. And you're like, yeah, you've lost the opportunity. So there's that as well. I think, uh, to work on for myself, Um, because, you know, sometimes it's, you sometimes think, actually, maybe people are really aren't listening to what you're saying, but they know you're speaking, which is not really great. But actually, that's how a lot of men seem to work. Anyway.
0: (laughs) I know, I think that that was something um, that I definitely have needed to work on for myself is being heard, and speaking out and speaking up. You know, I think one of the things that I started with was like, I would be at the table saying what I wanted to say, but I'd be like, I'd be talking in a really low voice and nobody could hear me, you know? So for me, it was also about learning about voice projection. So not only mm. do I want to make a contribution, but I also need to be heard. So I'm still saying what I want to say, but with a voice that carries across the room and that I can be heard. And that took me a lot of training and time, but I ha- I was really lucky. I had really great training that got me to do this, it was very uncomfortable. But I had to speak in such a loud voice that I felt like it, you know, it was ringing in my ears. But they, because they film you while you're doing the training mm. and you have to watch yourself after, which is also very uncomfortable. But it was amazing the impact that had on me once I heard myself the before and after. You know, I felt like I was shouting, but in fact, I finally came to the point where I was just being heard. Yeah, I think,
1: I think you make a very good point. I I think training, if you need it, go for it and find it. I, you know, I I did some, um, uh, not quite the same, but but similar, and found that very helpful because it helped me to sort of um, adopt a certain way, uh, or to prepare myself in a certain way for, you know, particularly more sort of, you know, uh, public speaking events or webinars or, or whatever. But I do think that yes in but I I hope that when I run meetings and this is something I've sort of consciously tried to do myself I will pull people in and say what do you think ask them a question rather than just let the same person talk it's like oh actually you know do you have a point that you'd like to make or you know can we hear from you Um, because I do still sit in meetings where I'd have to say the person that's running the meeting probably hasn't quite mastered that skill. Mm. And you sort of think this is disappointing that they're just, they either talk too much or they let one person talk too much. And you think, no, if you've got a meeting of, I don't know, five people, whatever it is, um, try and get them engaged. Uh but yeah, I I, I do think it is also incumbent on the participants as well. And if it's a bit of confidence building, a bit of training, go and find it. It is available, definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I agree. I think it's a bit of both. I think it's definitely incumbent on the participant to make sure that they engage and um, participate. Like that was also another part that I worked on, like forcing myself to put my hand up and say something or contribute, like make sure that I'm saying, you know, getting myself. I mean, it was a, almost sometimes a physical thing. But what I've also learned is the importance of having a good facilitator. And that's something that I've also learned over mm-hmm. the years and making sure that you pull people in. Like I recently hosted the roundtable in Singapore that we were just talking about earlier. And it was important for me to make sure that everybody gets heard. And we, you know, we were in an environment where we had, you know, culture also plays a part in this, right? You know, depending mm. on where you're from, it, you know, it can sometimes be such a strong part of you that you need that additional support to, you know, have that conversation. But we had quite a mix. And sometimes the facilitator needs to be a little bit rude and, <laughs> and interrupt people. Which is also uncomfortable, but yeah. it's important if we want to hear all the voices around the yeah. table.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. <clears throat> I think, uh, as you say, it's it, it's a bit of both. It's you and it's also the facilitator. But, um, but yeah, um, we have to keep working at it, I think, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: um, and I did ask you this question before in preparation, so I'm going to ask you again. Um, what have you seen different from sort of when you started your career to where we are now when we're talking a lot more about gender balance and gender equity and you know there's so much more conversation mm. happening now I say so much more I guess is it so much more than when it was when you first started
1: uh yes definitely I think you know it wasn't <laughs> wasn't really a topic at all Um you know I I I graduated I, I was lucky I got a job um and went into an environment which you know hopefully has changed and will will continue to change um but i think that you know there was no there's no discussion about having a mentor i mean didn't sort of enter my vocabulary um i didn't have anybody that i thought you know i could uh you know as in a supporter where i worked or externally none of that sort of network was necessarily in place. You're pretty much on your own um, and, you know, you might have your end of your appraisal or get some feedback, <clears throat> but nothing like today where I think people people actually ask for the feedback, um, expect a lot more discussion, um, you know, as they're going along through their careers, which is good. I think mentoring schemes are great. I, you know, volunteer to mentor people, I'm always been happy to do it, um, if I, you know, if I can help great. Um, given some ideas. Um, I think, you know, well, things like that you're doing yourself or any, you know, any of these other um, networks or, you know, things like WIH or, um, you know, internal networks. So CBRE, there's a very strong women's network um, and they're putting on more and more events. We had a 50-50 women on boards yesterday, um, a lot of external people as well. So I think there's a lot more positive discussion and opportunity to discuss and to get support um you know to, to help people in in their careers um and to be able to have that balance because it was quite tricky i've always worked i've got two children you know they survived <laughs> um i had a very have a very understanding husband um and you know it wasn't always that easy i i hope it's easier now because it is quite you know, you're always like, oh, do they think I'm leaving early because I've got to go and pick my kids up <clears throat> and therefore I'm not interested in what I'm doing. But to be honest, I've usually found the people in that situation are more efficient because they go and they sort out their children. They then go back and do I don't know, an hour or so's work. Um, so, I, you know, I, I never thought that was very fair. And I did at times feel quite awkward um, when, you know, I had to I prioritize my children. Of course I would. Um, and I expect people to do that themselves. Uh, when I didn't get that obvious support or people who just didn't appreciate actually, maybe <clears throat> I couldn't be there at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, I found that quite irritating. Um, and hopefully I would never um, make anybody that I work with now feel that way because I think people are, you know, um, living is expensive. And sometimes it's not people's choice. You know, they, they, they're, they um, uh, you know, working in a partnership, they've got a family to bring up, they've got maybe other responsibilities. And I think yeah. just respect that and try and, you know, you, you can say, well, actually what works for you? How, how can we get this to work rather than, you know, make their lives difficult? Yeah. So that I would fact say well, when I have found that when I've been working, not so much now, disappointing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do hope that's changed now. I mean, mm-hmm. If anything else, hopefully COVID has made us all realize that, you know, we do have a life outside of our work, you know, it's not mm-hmm. about keeping the two separate. I love how you, what you said, like, how do we make this work, you know, so that it works for both of us, you know, and, and find that flexibility around that, you know. Childcare is expensive, or if yep. you have someone that you're caring for, you know it could be an elderly parent, or you know mm-hmm. you may have some other dependent. You know what are what are your needs that you can um, uh, that we can work together and find a way to collaborate on that and find a sort of that balance. Yeah,
1: I think you know um, resources are you know it's always a, a challenge, and if you get good people and um, you know, you want, you want to make it flexible, make it work. There are ways around it. You know, I, a friend I play golf with, we were talking about it the other day, and she said one of the people on her team is absolutely brilliant. And they have accommodated her because she's so good at what she does. Um, but she she works beyond what she should be doing. So she's on an 80% hours contract, she works 100%. But that's because she can work um, uh, from her husband's sheep farm in the middle of Wales. So. <laughs> Because she's got, you know, young children as well. So that's just, they've got that to work because it works for the employer. They've got a brilliant employee and it works for her. So yes, um, I think it's just trying to find something that um, you you can accommodate. And, you know, those avenues should be explored, I think, really, before somebody says, no, that's not going to work.
0: Yeah, and I think that's something that needs to be brought up more often for women right I mean I was speaking um, I was just watching something earlier about you know making the workplace better for women and how it needs to be a part of the conversation because making the workplace better for women means it's better for business as well Mm -hmm. right because Mm -hmm. you will have someone who's going to be loyal and dedicated and you know making sure that they will be brilliant at what they do because, you know, they feel they're being valued, which I think is very important for women and for anybody, to be honest, right? Because that it's not just, they're not just seen as a employee, a nine to five, you know, just come in and out and, you know, get the job done. So I think the more that we can have those kind of conversations and the more flexibility, and if you think about it in hospitality, especially in operations where there is so much shift work, you know, yeah. why can't we do more of that, right? And make mm. it more accessible and easy and find different ways to make it work.
1: Mm. Yeah, and we have a, a client who's um, implemented a four-day working week. You know, um, it means maybe longer shifts, but you can compress it into to, to less days. And that, you know, works for the, some of their employees. So I think it's just, yeah, I'm um, saying so maybe COVID has prompted some of that. Um, which is positive that, you know, there is the ability to, um, you know, be be more flexible, as you say, particularly within shift work, like hospitality, like healthcare, care. Um, you know, finding those solutions is better than just having to go off and find someone else. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah.
0: And that definitely takes a lot more time and effort mm-hmm. and it definitely costs more. Yeah. Um, and you said, you know, so from when you started, you, you know, from when you joined, went into the, the job world, I suppose, for lack of a better word, um, you know, things have changed, you said. Um, what things have changed that you've noticed the most?
1: Um, I, I, I certainly think, and we're not quite there yet, there's probably a better balance of people coming into the sector. Um, you know, I, I'm, by that I mean real estate, um, which maybe in the UK is quite, there's been a little bit more sort of you know, certain gender type, um, um, you know, uh, background. Um, and I think just, you know, programs like apprenticeship schemes, so where I work now, they run an apprenticeship scheme, and you get a really ni- nice group of, of people coming from different backgrounds different experiences um, and that's great you know that it gives them the opportunity to maybe to get into a, uh, an industry that was maybe not open to them before. Um, I think just having um, different people with different opinions or experiences helps the team because you can become a little bit stale I think otherwise. Um, so I think certainly broadening out um, and access points into industry is great through apprenticeship schemes or however it is um not everybody can go to university get a degree um some people work um or succeed you know in a bit, a different approach um so i think that's better i think for, you know say sort of opening up access or different routes in is certainly positive um which you know certainly wasn't the case when i um did my course um so, I, you know, things, things like that, and I think also, just um, we are seeing more, maybe more women in, in senior roles. I'm still a little bit on my own, um, not entirely, um, but I think, you know, certainly getting that balance or pushing people up uh, through the ranks um, is getting better. It's not perfect, um, but you know, um, I, I, I think it's it's moving in the right direction and being, I suppose the opportunity to talk more openly Mm. is there, which it wasn't before. So it's great, you know, when you do have, say maybe some of the internal events that we've had here or clients have had, um, and I I do think it's good. And it's certainly something which I think is positive is to encourage men to attend those events as well. Um, And the ones that come along, do so because they are genuinely interested, yeah. I found, and are genuinely supportive. So I think you have to bring people with you um, and bringing men into uh, those discussions is important and I think very positive. So yeah. yeah, certainly
0: probably the the main things I've seen change. Yeah, and I think, you know, for us to have lasting change, you know, everyone needs to be part of the conversation, being more open about it mm-hmm. talking about it with both genders and you know education on both sides right and finding those mentors and allies along the way to kind of bring real lasting change um into the industry
1: mm, no definitely um, and i think it's positive for everybody really um, you know that uh, you know people appreciate how um you know what you're thinking and and having the opportunity to be able to to express that is positive, because otherwise, you know, somebody doesn't say, you don't know. (laughs) So I'm a great believer in saying. So, uh, um, you know, in a polite way, um, putting your point across, I think is, and the opportunity to do that's really important, yeah.
0: It's that diversity in thought that we we need to get across.
1: I think it's a great phrase, diversity of thought. Yeah,
0: I like that one. I will use that one, if I may. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. And so I will move on to my final question, talking about diversity of thought <laughs> and, and having different uh, people in the room. Uh, who inspires you? Gosh, so
1: uh, it's really awful because I, I was thinking about this and it is mainly women, I'm afraid. Um, Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, oh, gosh, who do I work with? Uh, anyway, um, I sort of tried to keep it sort of fairly you know, public in terms of the the public profiles that I think are amazing. So, frankly, yes, it is people like Michelle Obama, Mm -hmm. Christine Lagarde, the female war reporters that you see on TV standing Mm -hmm. there in in the middle of a war zone, you're thinking, God, you're brave, you know, because that's not a great job. But it's also people like the female chefs that have gone into what is a very male-dominated industry. So people like Angela Hartnett, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I suppose women that have pushed themselves forward in those, what can be very challenging situations and have gained huge respect, um, I think are great. You know, and um, I, I just think people like Michelle Obama has such. Um, she's so graceful um, and so good at putting her point across. Um, I also think Christine Lagarde. I just look at her and think, wow, I wish I was you. She just looks great, <laughs> and she speaks. You know, different languages, and she, you know, to me, she's just fluent in everything that she does. Um, I was just like, yeah, I wish I was you, but I'm not. Um, And I think super intelligent. I just think, you know, that amazing brain that you know she has. Mm. Um, As I say, the you know the war reporters, mainly the ones I see are ones that work for the the British Channels. Uh, And there's one, and she pops up quite regularly. And I just think, gosh, you're amazing. You know, she's uh, you know out there in what must be, I think, really horrendous situations. That you know, particularly at the moment um and making sure that we hear it which mm. is not great but i think we need to hear it um so yeah they, those are the people that immediately spring to mind i mean the people i've worked with along the way that i think um yeah, may at the beginning of their careers and a lot younger than me and i think going forward yeah i'm you're going to be great so uh, i like to see that as well um but yeah um, I'm not dissing men, but I'm trying to think of
0: one and I couldn't, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 this is great. I mean, this is why it's a who, right? It's not a she or not a he, it's really who. And, you know, I've had every answer from individuals to groups of people, really. It, and it's it's your, it's it's about who inspires you and it's about you, right? So, you know, you need to be honest to yourself and and think about, you know, who are the inspirations that have made an impact in your life. So thank you. I think these were mm. examples Uh, Michelle Obama, Christine Lagarde, you know, chefs, the reporters, they're all fantastic and doing really great things to, yeah, bring the whole gender conversation forward too.
1: Yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, I think, you know, certainly social media's helped that as well. Um, You know, not that I spend my whole life on social media, but, (laughs) you know, I'm trying not to, but, um, but it's great to just, I don't know, pick stuff up off Michelle Obama's Instagram, you know, it just you know little things that you read and you think oh yeah that's that's great you know just the sort of um things that are shared that way i think has actually probably helped to open the conversation as well yeah. to a certain extent um things are, are more public yeah
0: um, and and i the- think those are the good good um examples of social media you know we definitely mm. hear some of the negative things but i think when yeah. we do hear these good examples that's when it's it just goes to show how powerful it can be
1: mm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And um, yeah, it was a conversation I'm having recently that um, it is a shame when you hear about the the, the unpleasantness that happens on social media um, and how it impacts maybe, you know, children, younger people um, because it can be such a positive force for the people I've mentioned, you know, to get their voices heard as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, uh, oh, thank definitely. You thank you so much for sharing your story with us today
1: no it's been an absolute pleasure and um, thank you for asking me
0: thank you so much for listening i hope you were as inspired as i was by that story please follow us here and on linkedin where i post videos of the recordings Stay tuned for many more stories of inspiring women in hospitality.